Now I don't feel like I have to eat that thing. Thank you, Lord. Well, I have a little quote from Pope John Paul XXIII. It is easier for a father to have children than for children to have a real father. Let me read that again. It is easier for a father to have children than for children to have a real father. When I read that quote, it stood out to me. Because it's so true in so many ways. It's not easy being a real father, is it? It's hard. It's being an example all the time. You have to be patient. You have to have kindness, love, and strength. You have to show empathy, concern, and be honest. You have to stand for the truth. You have to be a rock. You have to lead your family. You have to teach your children. And you have to be responsible. Responsible not just for yourself, but for your family, for your children, and ultimately to God. Amen? Amen. It's a big task on being a father. I don't know if you heard that quote, but I'm going to read it again. It is easier for a father to have children than for children to have a real father. As a father, you have to be strong yet tender. You have to be courageous in the face of fear and opposition. So for all those fathers out there who are trying, keep on trying. Never surrender, only surrender to God. That's all that God asks. If you surrender to Him. To keep fighting the good fight for your family and for yourself. And for all those out there who had, who dread Father's Day who had terrible fathers? Well, you have a father in heaven who's greater than any earthly father you could ever have. Who loves you and sees your struggles, who cares for you more than your more than you imagine. Who's your biggest cheerleader and who promises to be with you always right up until the very end of the age. He says that he will never leave you, nor he will never abandon you. So hold on to those truths. Because he gave his life for you, so that you could be with him forever, in eternity. Amen? You know, the greatest thing I could ever do, or give to my children, or grandchildren, and I shared this the other day with the 
I think it was with the guys in the truck. The greatest thing that I can do, the legacy, the greatest legacy I can leave to my children and grandchildren is that they know Christ Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Knowing God, knowing His Son, knowing the Holy Spirit, it's worth more than the precious gold, than the purest diamond, than any amount of money that this world could offer. The greatest gift that God ever gave to us was His Son, Jesus Christ. Salvation through that name of Jesus is the greatest gift a father can give. And that is the only thing I can give as a father. All my earthly belongings, which aren't much, can't compare to the gift of what God has done through his son Jesus. The gift of salvation for all of us. Salvation for our very souls and spirits. If I can give anything to you, it's that same gift that was given to me. I plead, I beg, not to reject it, but to embrace it. Because someday... Someday, which could be soon, God is going to embrace you if you accept it. And if you reject it, then God will reject you. So my job as a father, a grandfather, a husband... is to make sure that you accept that gift, that free gift of Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Not just your personal Lord and Savior, but as your personal friend, as your personal Father. That's the greatest gift I can give. There is no greater gift in all the world that anyone can leave. The last thing I want to see is for you to be rejecting God. Because that means God will reject you. When we all go to heaven and we're all guaranteed to go somewheres, and I hope it's to heaven for all of us, and I'm believing on it, that we'll all be together with Him. Amen? I'm hoping and praying that I'll, we'll all go up with Him together as a family on this hill in one accord, in one breath, in the twinkling of an eye. Amen? Amen. And if you've rejected it, it's because I have not made it clear enough to you 
I haven't done my job. And as a father, a grandfather, and a husband, it's my job that you know. And as your pastor here in this little church of our family, it's my job that I tell you about it and that it's the truth. You know, I wrote down here for Father's Day scripture to trust in the Lord with all your heart. It's in Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Joe, you don't have it in there. I know you can get it. But it's trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understandings, but in all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. For fathers out here, that's a verse we should memorize and live by every day of our lives. Trusting in the Lord with all our heart. Lean not on our own understandings. You know why we don't lean on our own understandings? Because we can't fully understand God and His ways. Because God's ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. When we lean on our own understandings, we lean on the world's ways, and we lean on only what our minds can understand. We only know in part. We're not fully known yet until we go to heaven. God knows it all. He's a know-it-all. He is. Because he wrote the book from the beginning to the end. And he knew you before you were even in your mother's womb. He created you. God knows you better than you know yourself. God knows when you took your first breath, and God knows when you're going to take your last breath. Think about that. God knows when you're going to take your last breath. We don't understand God's ways. I don't have every answer, but God does. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. Acknowledging God is putting God first. Putting God first in your life. First in your thought process, first in your waking up in the morning. First, and you're going to bed at night. Putting Him first in everything you do. Acknowledging Him for all the good works that you do. And all the good works that He's done for you. And God says that if you do those things, that He'll make your path straight. He won't give you a windy road to go down with a, with a loaded truck, will he? He won't. He won't give you a road that's too scary. 
He'll straighten that road and that pathway out for you. I had to do that to get some attention. It worked. God won't give you a windy road. He'll make your path straight as an arrow. And he said he and then he says that he promises us that he will be with us right up to the very end. Do you know what that means? That God is going to be with you on that road that he makes straight. As long as you acknowledge him and put him first and are trusting in him for all things. He says, I'll walk with you on it. I won't abandon you. I won't leave you as orphans. I won't send you out there alone to do it. I'll send you a counselor with you called the Holy Spirit who is part of me, who is me, who is all of me. And I'll take you step by step throughout your whole life, if only you allow it. Fathers, we have a huge responsibility to God first and then to our families. It's a huge responsibility to be responsible for your children, for your wife, for their spiritual well-being. You need to take the job serious. Because it's a great calling. It's an honor. It's a privilege. That God's called us and he has given these things to be responsible for. That he's given us children to love and to teach and to hold. They are all gifts from God. Every one of them is a gift. If you neglect any one of them, if you neglect any part of your job as a father, then what happens? The devil comes in. The devil comes in, and if the devil can get a foothold in your life as a father, then he can tear you apart. He can destroy your relationship with him first. Because that's who the devil wants to destroy is your relationship with God. Because if he can destroy that relationship with your father... That he can destroy everything else. He attacks us the head of the family first. He attacks the father first. And if he can successfully do that, if he can keep your eyes off of Christ, then he can successfully destroy your family. If he can just get in between you and God. You know, that's what the enemy was trying to do with Daniel. When he was praying. The enemy, when Daniel set his heart out to pray, God said, that he heard his prayer. But what happened? The enemy got in between God's message and Daniel, didn't he? The enemy got in between the messenger And he held him up for 21 days. 
He got in between God and Daniel. And he'll get in between you and God. If he did it for Daniel, a man who was highly esteemed by God. Daniel, a man who was highly esteemed by God. If he can just get in between us, then he wins. Especially if we don't stay persistent in our prayers. Especially if we don't stay persistent. If Daniel wasn't persistent, if he just said, Oh, God, I'm praying, but I don't got an answer, so I'm going to go about doing what I do my business. He would have never gotten the answer, would he? Because the messenger would have came and Daniel wouldn't have been there. That's why we have to stay persistent as fathers. That's why we have to be watchmen. That's why we have to be on guard constantly, doing battle. Fathers, we need a prayer life like never before, especially in these last days. In these last days when the devil is running wild... And destroying families to the left and to the right, they're dropping like flies. That's why we need to stand guard and be watchful. In Mark chapter 3, verse 27. Mark chapter 3, verse 27. It says this, in fact, no one can enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man. Then he can rob his house. I'll read it again. In fact, No one can enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions. Unless he first ties up the strong man, then he can rob his house. Let me ask you, has Satan tied you up? Has Satan kept you from prayer? Has Satan kept you from reading his word? He's tied you up. He's successfully tying up the world. Easily. By keeping us in our phones, in our computers, in our games. He's robbing you blind. He's taking your relationships from you. Television. You look around anymore and everybody's got their faces in their phones. 
Everybody. Where are we have become zombies to technology? And it is an addiction. If you don't believe me, then leave your phone at home for a day. Try it. See if you can go without it. It's everybody. I'm guilty of it. I'm not just preaching to you, I'm preaching to myself. He's tied us up. He has successfully tied us up. He's tied up the strong men and the women of God. I think that is why that quote stood out to me so much. Because I see it. I see it in my own life and in my own family. I see it. I realize it. But yet I still partake of it. Like an addiction. Like morphine. Like an opioid or whatever you call them. The new drug is called a cell phone. (laughs) Or an Xbox. It's true. It does affect your brain. There are proofs on it. There are studies upon it that it affects the way you think. Not only does it affect the way you think, but it affects the way you process information in your brain. It's rewiring your brain. And that's a fact. There are studies upon that. That's true. It is easier for fathers to have children than for children to have fathers. That is a hard saying to hear for Father's Day, isn't it? For fathers. But it's a true saying. Unfortunately, it's true, and we need to wake up to it. Because I know every man in here wants to be a good father. Every man in here has a heart that wants to serve God. Every woman in here has a heart that wants to serve God. And to be a good parent. Everyone. I know. You guys all have good hearts. We all have good hearts and good intentions. We're letting technology raise our families. And even if we try to break it, when we try to break it away, it's not just you don't just feel bad, but and you don't have a short temper tantrum for a while, but you know, the world almost looks at you like you're doing a bad thing anymore. You know, Jesus said about the world, He said that the world hated him. And he said the world will hate you. If it hated him first, it's going to hate us also. 
Jesus also said not to be part of the world, but be ye separate from the world. Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. By the washing of the word. By the covering of the blood. Acts chapter 20. 28 through 31. See? They're... So I'm telling you, it starts being brainwashed at a young age. Do you know that, like, before one years old, kids are now playing with phones at eight and nine months of age? It's true. Acts chapter 20. Paul warning them. He said, keep watch over yourselves. And all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. The Holy Spirit has made me an overseer of this little flock. And if I don't tell you the truth, then I'm not doing my job as an overseer. I'm not doing my job of what God's called me to do. It says, be shepherds of the church of God which he bought with his own blood. Paul says, I know that after I leave you, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. As soon as you walk out of this church and you start your day on Monday, I guarantee you that savage wolves are out there just waiting for you to get separated from God to destroy you. The minute we leave this door, this building from church, He's there waiting to destroy you, to get in between you and God. And He's being successful at it if you're only coming to church on Sunday and getting time with God then. When the rest of the week you're living like the devil. God bought you with his precious blood. You are worth more than rubies and diamonds, than pearls, than gold. You are mightier than you think, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. You are able to tear down strongholds with a word. Because of he who is in you. You are able to live in victory every day of your life. And you are able to walk with God every day of our lives. To walk with God every day. Think about that. God, creator of the universe, who breathed out stars. With his mouth. Who told the waters to separate from the land when he created this earth? (coughs) 
who did all these great mighty things, who set the earth in motion, the planets, the galaxies, the universes. But yet, he still wants to walk with you, and yet we can. And yet, he still calls you a son and a daughter. And yet, he has sent his only son to this earth to die for you. So that you can spend eternity with him. God did all of that. God did all of that for every one of us here. And he sent a Holy Spirit to walk with us, to be our guide. God did that. He did that for us. But even Paul says savages, savage wolves will come. They're going to come. They will arise. And they'll distort the truth. They'll take God's word and they'll distort it to their own liking and to their own itching ears. Want to hear? They'll try to say, where is his coming? Even Jesus warned us of that. Where is his coming? He's been a long time. It's thousands of years. He's not going to come now. Well, Jesus said to keep watch. Always, didn't he? He said, even from your own number of men. Even from your own number of men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years I have never stopped warning you. Each of you, night and day, without with tears. Paul is saying, I've been warning you for three years. I've been saying, watch out. Stay on guard. Stay focused. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Watch out. There's people out there distorting the truth. Don't let them pull you away. Don't become their disciple. You're a disciple of Christ. Stay there. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understandings. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll make your path straight. Amen? Amen. He promises you that. You stand on his word firm. And you stand firm on his word. Better? Stand firm on his word. Mark 13, 32 through 37. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. <laughs> Mark, chapter 13, verses 32 through 37. It says, No one knows about the day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son. But only the Father. Be on guard. What does it mean to be on guard? It means to be alert, to be awake, to be ready, to be watchful. 
to be prepared. Be on guard. Be alert. You do not know when that time will come. It's like a man going away. He leaves his house and puts his servants in charge, each with his assigned tasks. And he tells the one at the door to keep watch. Therefore, keep watch. This is Jesus' words, written in red. These are red letters. Jesus says, keep watch. We need to keep watch. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back, whether in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or at dawn. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to everyone, watch. That's pretty powerful coming from God himself, isn't it? He's not just telling them. In that generation, he said it clearly. What I say, I'm saying to everyone. I mean to all those that have come after you and all those that have come before. Everybody that that is in here of this word, Jesus says, watch. Watch. Because it's the enemy's plan. To destroy us. And men, we have to do something. Men, we have a high calling. We have to keep watch. We have to be on guard. We have to stay alert. Our lives, our families' lives depend on us. They depend on us. We need to have a prayer life. We need to stand guard 24-7. We are our family's first defense. Think about that. We are our family's first defense. And if that line falls, the family falls. It's a simple plan of the enemy. Destroy the father and the family's destroyed. Look at our nation. Look at the fatherless children that have grown up all around us. Look at the struggles they have. God is calling you, He's calling you now to be a watchman. God is calling you now. Do you believe that word? Do you believe God is calling you men? I don't hear too many amens. Do you believe God is calling you? He's calling you. He says, I want you to be a watchman. You're a strong man. I created you a strong man, a man of courage, a man of war. God created men for war in battle, it says in the Bible. We don't have a weaker frame like a woman. We have a strong frame. We are men of war. It's time we wage war against the enemy. Because the enemy 
He's not discriminating. He's waging war against you. Whether you're ready or not. Whether you're prepared or unprepared. He is at war with you. He is, it is a constant battle. Amen? You have been created for war. That's why we're stronger. No offense, women. And God has created women to be a helpmate to a man. To encourage him. They say that every strong man, there's a strong woman behind him. And I believe that's the truth. Encouraging. Edifying. Trying to help. It's true. Amen? I wrote down here, a man of another sort. Be a man of another sort. A man of another sort. We have everything we need to be men of another sort. Men. We have every tool that we need. The only thing we don't need is an excuse. (laughs) We don't need to be men of excuses. But we need to be men that face the truth head on. Amen? Amen. Let's stand for the blessing. And I'll dismiss us. And if anybody would like prayer, then I'd be glad to pray for them. I think the men should all come down and we should pray for all the men. All the men and young men. May the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord, Lord, may the Lord, may the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace on all sides. And may you be blessed abundantly. And I pray, Lord God, that anything I have said that's not of you would fall away. And anything that was of you, Lord God, that we would hide it in our hearts. And I pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. All right, why don't we all come?